You hear that phrase of when you find something that you love doing, you never work a day in your life. And that was it. That was what I found. Welcome to the Self-Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. Before venturing into the world of recruiting, today's guest, Christina Gunlock, founder of Build Staffing, embarked on a diverse career path that took her through the intricate realms of marketing and sales. Her unique background has not only equipped her with a comprehensive understanding of various industries, but has also cultivated her ability to connect with people from all walks of life. In this episode, we explore the core principles that drive Christina's success, including the profound importance of prioritizing people, the beauty of embracing your passion every single day, as exemplified by her office's infectious motto, Love Mondays Again, and the timeless wisdom of going back to the basics. If you're wanting to love Mondays again too, then this episode is for you. Christina, I am so happy to have you on today's podcast. I talk about this a lot, but building a business is often like a roller coaster. There's so many ups and downs. And those moments sometimes require you to also have a corporate career while you're building this business on the side. So that's just one of the many reasons that I'm really happy to have you on today. So thanks for hopping on the Self-Starter Podcast. Of course, I'm excited to be here, excited about what you're doing. I've obviously been a big fan of you for quite some time and super excited about this endeavor. So thank you for having me first and foremost. I'm super honored and thrilled to be on it. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm equally as big of a fan as you. Just a little bit of a backstory before we hop into everything. You and I actually met probably, was it six or seven years ago at this point? I can't even keep track of how long it's been because it feels like a whole lifetime ago. You recruited me for one of the best jobs that I've ever had to date. Since then, we've just been able to to keep in contact. So before we dive into anything, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about who you are and your company, Build Staffing. Yeah, yeah. So It took me a long time to get to this point in my career. I came from a sales and marketing background and a very corporate environment and a lot of different spaces, right? So I kind of hopped around a lot of different industries, I guess. So it was the finance space, and then I got into um, technology and then moved to L&D and then moved into recruiting. So it was like a lot of exposure to a, a lot of different environments and um, markets, which was cool because I think back on my journey and I think about each of those roles that I've had and how much it has prepped me for what I'm doing today. And even more so right now with the market and the economy, the way it is, I'm relying even more on that background and that experience and that expertise and the relationships I've built because we're having to, one of the things we're having to do at Build is really pivot and, and reach out and partner with a lot of companies that are outside our typical niche of what we started Build with. And it's been great. And it's been really kind of like going back to almost my roots of saying, hey, like I've worked in this space. I've worked with these people. I understand what you're doing. So I took the long road to recruiting. And when I got into recruiting, I immediately loved it. 
I loved it. And, you know, you hear that phrase of when you find something that you love doing, you never work a day in your life. And that was it. That was what I found. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's not just the Jesus saying. It's true. It's so true. And I just jumped on it. You know, I just jumped on it and I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Attribute a lot of the success that I have had in this space to that fact. I'm just having fun with it. I'm connecting with people. I enjoy talking to people and I treat them with respect and like they're my best friend, right? Because when it comes down to it, I'm a Midwest girl. I love connecting with people. I love helping people and providing value. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not having fun with what I do. I don't want to do it, right? Like I just had this conversation with my team and it's like, once it stops being fun, you have to shift, right? And I think that's so important for everybody, regardless of what they do, to understand when it stops being fun, it doesn't have to mean you have to completely jump ship and abandon something, but think about how you can pivot, how you can shift, how you can change something. So it is fun. You get back to the space where, you, you know, what you're doing lights you up. I think that's so important um, nowadays. You know, you hear so many people, they don't like their job and, oh my gosh, it's, you know, Sunday and I've got to go to work tomorrow and TGIF, I live for the weekend. And when you find something that you do that you truly enjoy, all those things go away. That mindset goes away. And it's so refreshing. And it's so great to kind of have that. And that's what I found with recruiting. And I loved it so much. And I learned so much at the agency that I started off at. I was living up in the Bay Area at the time. And I decided that I wanted to move back to Southern California. And I was at a crossroads when I did that and said, well, I can join another agency or I could start my own thing. And I had always been told like, you know, you're so good at this, you're, you know, it comes natural to you. You should do this on your own. And it was never an interest. I was like, no way, I don't want to do that. And when I moved, I, you know, thought about those two options and I said, you know what, I'm going to take the leap of faith. I'm going to try this and see if it works. Here we are eight, nine years later. Build is still going, it's thriving, and I'm still having fun with it. <laughs> and like you said, I think that's the key to everything. You have to really love what you do and you have to have fun. And when you're not having fun, you have to understand, take a step back to understand why you're not having fun and to be able to pivot. And yeah. clearly your background from what it sounds like, you recognize that in each one of the different paths that you took. You mentioned that you were in sales and marketing, eventually got into recruitment. You were able to really get an idea of all these different industries. And I am a firm believer that even though the path might seem a little bit random, it eventually leads you to a certain place where you are able to bring all of those specific skill sets together to do something that truly lights you up inside and something yeah. that you love. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. And unfortunately, so many people, especially women, because I talk to so many people, I see the differences and it's so, it's crystal clear, like how different it is when I'm talking to a man about an opportunity or, you know, how they're approaching an interview or negotiating an offer, um, or even what they're targeting in terms of compensation. And it's so different, the responses that I get. One of my favorite questions in an interview, um, or if I'm talking to candidates is how much money do you want to make this year? And a man will just typically like respond. They've got an answer. They know what they want to make and they respond quickly. When I ask that question to a woman, I hear the hesitation in her voice and she's afraid to throw out a number for a variety of reasons. One, she was told all her life, don't talk about money, 
don't short sell yourself. Don't like, you know, don't do these things, right? Money is you know, not something you should be talking about. Oftentimes, I would say probably 95% of the time, unfortunately, women will shortchange themselves and they'll throw out a number and it's not aligned with their experience, the expertise, the success that they've had, the value that they brought to the company um, that they've been at previously. And it's frustrating. So, you know, oftentimes I find myself when I'm in those conversations, I pause and I say, can I give you some unsolicited advice? <laughs> and they're always appreciative of it. And it's great. But every time I have those conversations, I feel so good when I get off the phone, because it's like, I hope that shifts that woman's mindset, right? I hope that it changes it because we hear it so often. And it's unfortunate. It truly is unfortunate. And someone that's been on the interviewee side multiple times, I've interviewed with recruiters that are directly tied to the specific company. And then I've also worked with agencies like yourself. And I personally really enjoy working with agencies like yourself because I feel it's a more safe environment where I can truly just be upfront with my expectations because you do have the best interests of your clients at heart. You're not looking to lowball any offers here. You're truly looking to get people into the right fit because financially it's actually in your best benefit as the agency for them to be able to walk away with the best deal because you're getting a percentage of what they're making too. So yeah. it's a win-win across the board. But I agree that women, we tend to undervalue our worth. It's really sad to see because I've seen it across the board and I'm a huge proponent for women standing up for what they're worth, what they believe in, and not taking anything less. So I love that you mentioned earlier that you had two options. One, go work for another recruiting firm or two, start your agency. What was kind of going through your mind before that? Because obviously taking a leap on something that you've never done before, like starting a business is it's a big deal. So what was kind of going through your head when you decided, you know what, I'm actually going to give a shot on myself here. Yeah. A little bit about me and my personality as an individual, my dad had an amazing work ethic, you know, so that strong work ethic was always instilled in me. And I was always the type of person that there's always a way, everything is figure outable, right? There's always a way. And in fact, one of my managers told me one time at a job when I worked at the learning and development company, I had the opportunity to join a different group within that company. And I was really like, you know, nervous about it and unsure. I remember having a conversation thinking, what if it doesn't work and they do away with the division? And he looked at me and he's like, Christina, he's like, if that happened, you are not the person that is not going to land on your feet. He's like, you find a way, you find what you want, you go after it and you get it. He's like, that's just you. And I like, I sat back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is me. So when I had the opportunity or when I moved and I said, gosh, you know, this is potentially a risk, right? What if it doesn't work? But I was really passionate. And one of the things that kind of started as I was you know, thinking about what I wanted to do, I looked back at my time in recruiting as an individual contributor and what did I like and what didn't I like? What did I want to change? What did I want to do differently? And I remember early on, the first month I got into recruiting, actually, thinking to myself, why don't people want to talk? Why are people treating me like, oh gosh, right? Like here's another agency recruiter. Because for me, being new into that space, it was, 
hey, this is a service that should be valued, right? I'm out here trying to, you know, help a founder or co-founder or a VP or head of whatever department scale their team and find great people to be on their team. And then on the candidate side, I'm like, I'm trying to help people find an opportunity that they love. What's not to love about that? Why wouldn't people want to be banging my door down, right? And what I quickly realized was that, and it's unfortunate and a battle that we fight every single day, is that there's so many things that people don't like about recruiters, right? And it's it's true, it's valid. There's a lot of things that are valid about you know what people don't like, whether it's agency recruiters, in-house recruiters, it doesn't matter, recruiters. And so I sat back and I said, okay, how can I change that? How can I change that negative stereotype of a recruiter? Because there's less than ideal something, right? In every role out there, sales, marketing, you know, whatever it may be, there's going to be those that are great. And there's going to be those that are like, if that wasn't the case, Yelp and all these online, like, you know, opinionated platforms wouldn't exist. So I said, how can I do things differently? How can I do things better? How can I do things that are going to actually change this perception? And And so that's what I did. And I started putting together my model of let's go back to basics. We're working with people, right? We're working with people. What do people want? And I put our business model together based off of that, based off of what I've learned over my career of what people want, how they want to be treated, what's their ultimate purpose and goal and, you know, desires. And I use that. I use that in our business model. The other thing I wanted to do is have the opportunity to have a platform to, because I knew I wanted to scale build eventually. Um, I didn't know what that timeframe was going to look like at the time, but I knew I was going to grow the company. And I said, you know, I want to show people that they can love what they do, right? That they don't have to sit there and say, oh, I have to go to work, right? Change that story to, I get to go to work or I want to go to work or I really have fun doing what I do. So the internal side of it, I felt really lucky to be able to say, okay, here's what I want to provide for everybody that comes on this team. And so we have the fun motto of love Mondays again, because people hate Mondays, right? And everybody's like, oh, Monday, right? Case of the Mondays or all whatever other phrases are out there. And it's like, I wanted people to love Mondays again, because if you love what you do, it doesn't matter whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that the culture and the environment that I create within build is going to be one that doesn't really exist or it's really hard to find. And that's what I did to this day. I still tell my team, you know, if you're feeling like you need a break and you want to go to the spa on Tuesday for two hours get a massage or a facial or whatever, or go to the golf course for two hours on, you know, Wednesday afternoon, do it, do it. Life doesn't happen outside of the nine to five hours. And I think that's the frustrating part that people have when they get a job. It's like, what are the hours? We get that question all the time. What are the hours? They're so afraid. And I was that person, right? Throughout my career, I was so afraid of, you know, saying, oh my gosh, right? Like something happened at, you know, and I need to do something at 11 o'clock on, you know, Thursday, <gasps> right? Personal wise. And it was just like, nope, sorry, you got to wait until after five o'clock. And it's like, oh, right. Like that doesn't happen, right? Life happens 
at all times, not just outside of the work hours. So I didn't want people to feel that burden and that stress and anxiety of one day I'm waking up and all of a sudden my kid is 13 years old. What happened? I missed all that time because I worked in a company that didn't allow me to do the things that I also wanted to do for my personal life while working in this job. So that was another thing that was really important to me and still is to this day that I wanted to provide this internal structure, platform or environment that allows people to have a successful personal life as well as a successful career. And it's doable. It's achievable. We're doing it. And it's awesome. It's totally doable. And I think that the infrastructure that you have built over at Build, it translates because I know you mentioned that you wanted to really understand what people wanted. And clearly you've implemented that into your own internal team to be able to make sure that the foundations are there because if the foundations are there, then you can't really help others. I think it's like, it always starts at home and then it trickles outwards. So when you went down to kind of put together your business plan to figure out what was working in the recruiting world, what was not working, what did people really want? What did they not want? What were you finding across the board that you are now implementing into your practices at Build? You know, it's so simple because these things are simple, right? Human beings are pretty simple, but basically it comes down to treat people with respect, treat people with respect, be upfront, be transparent, right? Even if it's those hard conversations and obviously not everybody we talk to is going to be a right fit for a role that we're working on, right? But let them know that, be upfront about it. But also you know, one of the things that's important for us is to make people understand that just because this role isn't right doesn't mean there's so many other roles that are right. And having that transparent conversation, being upfront, that's it, right? People will appreciate that versus the fact of whether you, you know, help them find a job or not. The process itself is so important, right? And that's why people are so big on candid experience, candid experience. We have people that will still refer us business that we did in place. And that's okay. Because when we stop hearing, I've never worked with a recruiter like you, then we have a problem. But as long as we still hear that, we know we're doing something right. And it does go back to basics. It's being kind, treating people with respect, being transparent, being upfront. And that's what people want. That's what people expect. Are those hard conversations hard to have? Yeah, sure they are. But again, being transparent and speaking with kindness, it helps alleviate some of the you know, stress and anxiety that goes into having those challenging conversations. For sure. And I think there's that saying, like people may not remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And I think communication and just being transparent and authentic throughout the entire process goes back to that feeling. And to your point, you may have not made that placement, but they remember how they felt during that process and that they were seen and they were heard and they want to be able to refer you more business and to potentially work with you again, um, yeah. even though it didn't result in that placement in the meantime. You mentioned something about kind of going back to basics there too. Your entire business started about nine years ago and you mentioned on your website that you started the dining table. I'm curious how it got started at the dining table. And then obviously you have grown this massive business at this point. So I'm also curious to see like how it started, but then also how it's evolved over the years. So I did, I started at my dining room table. A funny story that I love sharing is when I started, I had zero business, zero business. And I had to leverage 
you know, I had to do the business development. It was me, right? It was just me. So I had, you know, that phrase that we love so much. I wore multiple hats, but I had to bring on new business because if I didn't have business. I had, you know, no business. So I went to Target and it was back in the day when the dollar racks were truly the dollar racks, right? Now they're like a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. I remember buying just packs of blank note cards because I didn't have branded note cards at the time. I didn't have business cards. I didn't have anything branded. So I would go get those note cards and it was like eight cards in a pack for a dollar. And as I was doing BD, I had my process, but part of my process early on in my business development process was writing a handwritten note and addressing it to whoever I was reaching out to, whether it be the founder or head of sales or whomever. And just sending that note, basically letting them know who I was, how I wanted, how I could add value and that's it. Right. And I will tell you, like, it still makes me laugh to this day, the amount of business that I acquired from those target dollar note cards is amazing. It was amazing. And still to this day, like to go back to the basics when we're doing business development now we've used Dripify and a lot of other resources and that's fine. Like automation and AI, all those things have to happen. But I really strongly believe we're in a space where you cannot take the human element out of it. And I was just talking to my husband about this, about how AI and it is going to disrupt the industry. And I see all these posts about how AI is going to replace however many jobs, right? And it's like, I have seen so many platforms come and go on trying to automate or better the recruiting process. But the second you take the human element out of it and those simple, simple things, it doesn't work. As somebody who hires myself, it's like, I don't want to take the risk on potentially making the wrong hire, right? Or something not working out along the process or that person having a bad experience with our recruiting process that the back to basics things, the human interaction, human connection, the human conversation, the two-way conversation, it's really hard to replace. And we see that also all the time. You just go to LinkedIn and spend any amount of time on LinkedIn and you'll see people talk about, especially now, like I applied to, you know, 537 jobs and I've been ghosted, you know, 649 times. And like, you know, and this is like, Remove that stuff, remove that stuff, keep the human element, and it makes such a big difference. It truly does. And I think something that your note cards did, it was also a pattern disruptor because a lot of people will reach out via email for business. They'll reach out via email as a thank you. But to get something in the mail, that's not something that everyone's doing. So immediately you become someone that is top of mind. And you took that extra step to not only write the note, but to figure out where to send it. So I think that is a huge key in standing apart from the crowd. I mean, I have never been a recruiter myself, came from the sales world. And what was interesting is I'm friends with recruiters. I'm friends with VPs of sales who do a lot of the hiring. And they're actually saying that a lot of the new interviews that are coming in are actually not even writing thank you notes following up to their email. So even if you're just doing one small thing, it's setting yourself apart from the other people that are your competition out yeah. there. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to set yourself apart now as a candidate searching for a job. It's really challenging. It's challenging to see a job posted and you see 752 applications and you're like, 
I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. And most of the time you will, unless you do the things that are going to stand out. And that's the other benefit that, you know, we have in working with people who are looking for a new opportunity or even founders or, you know, hiring managers looking to scale. It's like, not only are you working with us to find the job or hire the right people, there's those processes, those tips, those tactics along the way that we're advising on basically to both parties on how to do it and how to do it right in order to achieve the ultimate outcome. So that feels good because again, you spend any, any amount of time on LinkedIn and it's so disheartening to see how many people are struggling. And we try to, and we do this in, in 2020 when COVID hit, but we try to help as many people as we can. And when COVID hit, we had to pivot um, like a lot of other companies did. Also, another thing we learned was how can we help more people? How can we get out of being kind of in our own little world, working with the finite amount of you know companies that we're working with, recs that we're trying to fill? We can only reach so many people. And we just kind of started thinking about how can we help the masses? How can we help people worldwide? So we've got a lot of things going on now that are in the works that will help people worldwide, that will get us outside of the niche that we're in and just kind of really support people from a hiring perspective. How can people hire better? And I kind of laugh about this. How can, you know, the hiring manager almost feels like they're the villain right now. They do so many things that really upset the candidate pool. And it's like, how can we change that, right? So it's advising hiring managers on how to better that candidate experience, how to hire better, how to be smarter in that that hiring process, but also working with candidates to say, okay, how can you stand out? How can you eliminate the anxiety, the frustration, right? Um, there's a lot of support that we want to give to help this process be a lot easier. It sounds like you're really trying to transform the entire recruiting space in general, really bringing back that human element and helping not only the other agencies to like understand how to go about this process, but also to target a lot of these companies and the hiring managers to really understand like how to go about the process as well. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Because the things that we find again, in talking to so many people every day is that I don't care if you're just starting off in your career or you're, you know, 20, 30, 40 years into what you're doing. People struggle with talking about themselves, promoting themselves, right? One of the things we always advise people to do is create a brand book about what you've done, what you've accomplished, what you're proud of throughout your career, and just have that be a working document because that matters. Those things matter. Hiring managers want to see those things. It's helping them to do what they don't do well, right? Because they're not subject matter experts at it, right? It's kind of like, oh gosh, you know, so many things are trying to get automated right now, but everybody can do things on their own, right? If you spend enough time researching, you can figure out how to do anything, but do we do it? No. Most of the time we go out, we use a resource that is an expert in that space in order to do the thing. Right. So this is no different. People aren't great at writing resumes. People aren't great at interviewing for a variety of reasons. Let me put a caveat in there. It's like there are a few people that are great at it. But I will tell you that probably about 98% of the time we have to edit a resume in some way, shape, or form. Again, just starting out in your career, 
or you've been doing what you're doing for 40 years. There's always something that it's like, Ooh, let me help you and let me tweak this a little bit. And then on the hiring side, hiring managers are not subject matter experts in hiring. If it's a VP of sales, what were you hired to do? You were hired to drive revenue for the company. You were hired to build out a team, but you don't have that expertise in that process, the recruiting process. And so what happens? It becomes really time consuming. It becomes really frustrating. The risk increases of you, you know, making the wrong hire, right? So we come in and it's really supporting people from a space that they're not experts in. And it's okay. It's not a bad thing. That's what we're here to do is really kind of lend that helping hand to make sure the ultimate and desired outcome is achieved. Yeah. And I know there's two different ways that you work with your clients. One obviously is with the corporate side and then two is with the candidate side. Can we dive into the two different ways that if a corporation came to you, how would you work with them? And as well as if a candidate was coming to you, what could they really expect? Yeah, sure. When we partner with a company who's looking to scale, it's not just about, oh, you have a role that needs to be filled. Let us send you some candidates and good luck. It goes beyond that. It really is advising. It's talent acquisition, but advising on the entire process from anywhere from training hiring managers on how to hire, right? How to interview, writing job descriptions, creating a very structured interview process, a lot of different things that make up that process to where it's structured, it's quality. Again, the ultimate desire is achieved, but it's a partnership. And the same thing on the candidate side where somebody may be looking for an opportunity. And if we introduce them to a company and a role, it's guiding them through the entire process. One of the differentiators that we have at Build is we will screen candidates all the way through to offer. And there's a benefit to both sides of that. On the company side, we're talking to candidates to make sure that they align with what the hiring manager needs in that role. So a candidate, like you said earlier, you're going to be in a more relaxed environment when you're talking to us. So we want to be sure, ultimately, does this person align with what you're looking for? And we have multiple conversations throughout the interview process to ensure that. How that also benefits on the candidate side is really helping candidates empower their job search. And so many people aren't empowered in their job search because they're applying to any job that remotely fits what they're potentially looking for. They're really not sure what they're looking for. They don't know how to go about it. We talked about, you know, what resumes look like or what LinkedIn profiles look like or, you know, any of those things. And by having the consistent conversations with a candidate throughout that interview process, helps them empower their job search to really align like every interview you learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Does this align with what you're looking for? Does it light you up? Right. And I'm just, I'm not just talking about the zeros on the paycheck or is it remote or in office or any one specific thing? It is the full package. It is the full package. Does everything align? And having those regular conversations really helps to bring that candidate down a path to ensure that it does, right? And again, give them more control in that process to empower them as they're going about finding a new opportunity. So it's a win-win for both sides. 
And I can speak to that firsthand through working with you. Obviously, when we initially worked together, it was a different economic environment where I wasn't looking for a role. You actually reached out to me because you found that my profile fit the needs of what the specific job was for. And I was in a really interesting place because again, I wasn't looking for a role, but what you reached out to me for was so intriguing. And it was very clear that you took the time to do your research on me as the candidate, as well as obviously understand what the corporate client was looking for in a candidate for that potential role. And it was a really good fit. And what I really liked about the process is that you and I were very transparent with each other. I was telling you that I wasn't in a place where I was looking to leave, but if I left, it had to be for the right opportunity. And you sold me on that company immediately and without even trying to sell me, it was just presenting me an opportunity. And what I liked is that you truly were a coach throughout the entire process. You put me in touch with the contact, we'd have our conversation, then immediately you would touch base with the hiring manager and then communicate that conversation back to me. So I was in the loop throughout the entire process and it really gave me a confidence boost knowing kind of where I was throughout that entire thing. And eventually when I got the offer, you were able to help me negotiate more money because they were asking me to do something that hadn't been proved out before. So it was a really great lesson for me in interview confidence, what it's like to be able to work with an agency in this working relationship, but also to ask for my worth. Because to our conversation from earlier, women typically don't ask for what they are worth. And that is a big topic. And that even goes into entrepreneurship too. Like when they're charging their clients, when they're asking for the money at the end of the day, which they should be, it becomes a little bit of a trickier conversation. Again, I've worked with you directly and I can speak to that. And it really goes back to that human experience that we've been talking about, that you really just allow people to feel seen and heard. And I think that applies both on the corporate side as well as the candidate side here. Yeah, I recently put a post out there that I gave the answers to a candidate during an interview process. It's a technique I learned. I worked for a learning and development company, the Ken Blanchard Companies, for over seven years. And I learned so much from working there. But one thing that always stuck with me was Ken used to say he came from the academic space. They were professors. And he would say to the other professors, like, I'm going to give my students the answer to the final exam. And I'm going to teach them those answers through the entire course. And then when it comes time to take the final exam, they'll have learned the answers to the questions. Isn't that what teaching is all about? And I just was like, when every time I heard that story from Ken, I'd be like, my goodness, that is so true. It's such a simple truth. When you take a course, you learn the answers to the final exam. Now, obviously, it's up to you to really kind of advance and do your homework and the research and everything. And then when it comes time to that final exam, if you've paid attention through that process, through that class, you're going to ace the final exam, right? So you still need to come to the table and do the work and perform. And I've taken that approach with recruiting. I'm going to give you the answers on how to get the job you want. You have to do the work and come to the final exam, the interview, and do what you need to do. But along the time frame of the course, right, me advising you, I'm going to give you the answers. Yeah, no one needs to be tricked throughout this entire process. No, not at all. No, you should be able to come up and show up confidently as yourself. And if you're a fit for the role, then it's hopefully going to work out. And if not, then we'll find something else for you. I think it goes also back to the (laughs) girl fit too that you were talking about earlier. 
you've done a really great job at making sure that this culture fits for what you want at Build. But also when you're talking to your clients, you're making sure you're understanding what's important to them to be able to make sure that you're not only placing them in the right role from a task perspective, but also that they fit with the company so that it's a long-term solution for both your clients on the corporate side, as well as the candidate side here. Now, I am curious um, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are people that are in the nine to five, but are looking to transition into a life of entrepreneurism. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, I'm a full proponent of doing both at the same time. I was forced into full-time entrepreneurship because of a layoff, but if not, I would have been doing my full-time job because it allows you to reinvest in your own personal business. So if you were to kind of give advice to an entrepreneur just starting out that is still in that corporate job and they're really navigating both, like what would you tell them? Well, first I want to say starting your own thing, being an entrepreneur isn't for everybody and that's okay. That's okay. I think a lot of times that society will tell us, go start your own thing, do your own thing and, and stop working for somebody else. And I always thought that way because I'm the type of person where I always am looking to do more, strive for better. What else can I do? And I've got a friend, a very dear friend who I remember having this conversation with, and she turned to me and said, what's wrong with being happy with what you're doing and not always striving for more? And I was like, it was so like, what, what? My my brain does not compute, like what? And the more we talked about it, I was like, there's a piece that comes with being happy with what you're doing. So in a day and time where we see so many influencers and you know, people out there that are always saying, do more, do more, do more, do more. Look at the stress level that exists in society today. Like think of the anxiety, the number of anxiety cases that we have and the meds that people are on to curb their anxieties because that message resonates in every single thing we're exposed to. So first and foremost, it's not for everybody. And that is okay. That is okay. For those who want to start something or jump into the, you know, entrepreneur space, my advice would be to just surround yourself with people who have done it before to learn from their mistakes. People love teaching. That is one thing I've learned from doing what I do is that people want to teach. And when you reach out to people and just ask for support, advice, help, And just say, hey, I love what you're doing. Can I take you to coffee and just kind of, you know, learn more about it. Learn more about what you do. Learn more about how you've been successful. Learn more about how you juggled, whatever it may be. And you'd be surprised with how willing people are to have that coffee date and say, yeah, let me talk about what I do and how I did it and how I've been successful. And most of the time, what comes from those conversations are learnings that help boost you in the direction that you want to go or or whatever niche you're in or whatever it is that you want to start. It helps boost you because there's such a wealth of information that comes from that and will help you not make those same mistakes as you launch into whatever endeavor that you want to launch. Um, And I would steer clear of the people who are so close to that, especially women, right? Like women supporting women. How many times do we hear that? be an advocate, be a support group for other women out there because we need that right now. 
but I would say reach out to the people. And it doesn't even have to be in your network. You can reach out to whoever you want, how big or small. I don't care what your title is. It doesn't matter. Reach out because the worst that they're going to say is no. And if they say no, life goes on. You're going to continue whatever path that you choose. I think that's great advice. And I have to agree with you on point number one. I think entrepreneurship is definitely glamorized and it's not for the faint of heart. I think that if you are going to go down this path, that you really want to go down that path. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. It's finding something that you really love, that lights you up, that makes you happy. And if that's your corporate job, then great. That's totally fine. If not, then take the leap and start your own thing. Wherever your heart is being called, like that's what we're here for. Christina, I love what you're doing. You're helping so many people being able to just get that security and joy back in their life, security financially, but also joy because they're absolutely loving what they're doing, not only on the weekends, but that Monday through Friday, like you were talking about. So if someone is looking for a job or is looking to hire an agency like yourself, where could they go ahead and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So you can reach out to us on our website at buildstaffing.com. You could follow me on Instagram at Christina Gunlock. Follow me on LinkedIn for sure. And I, you know, posting more about job tips and interview tips and even for the hiring manager, you know, how to create a desired process that's going to get you what you need. So follow me on LinkedIn and reach out, reach out. My email is Christina at buildstaffing.com. I'm always open to helping people wherever I can. So don't be afraid to reach out. And I can, again, speak firsthand. You are all about women supporting women and hence why you're on today's podcast. And you've just helped me so much throughout my entire career and also my journey into entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for not only helping me, but for sharing your story today with our other listeners and helping them as well. Thanks again. This was fun. I appreciate you having me. Throughout our conversation, Christina shared her deep conviction about the importance of prioritizing the human element in everything we do. She highlighted a crucial lesson that resonates with anyone seeking to excel in their careers or their entrepreneurial ventures. Whenever in doubt, go back to the basics and infuse a touch of humanity. Christina's own practice of sending personalized handwritten note cards serves as a brilliant example. In a digital age where automated messages and impersonal communication are the norm, her handwritten notes serve as pattern disruptors. They stand out, leaving a lasting impression whether she's helping someone find their dream job or building her own entrepreneurial endeavors. So let me ask you, self-starter, what's one thing you can do to help yourself stand out as an entrepreneur? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self-Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. See you next time.